Hey gang, it's Ron from ITMaskey.com. And in this podcast episode, I want to help you guys pass Security Plus. If you never heard me before, my job is to help you guys get certified. So Security Plus is usually the first cybersecurity certification that people go after, the first one that they actually hear about, so on and so forth, to start their journey. Now, if you heard me before, you already know that I don't think this is a good idea for you guys to start here, but you're grown. If you want to start with Security Plus, you can, but I would strongly advise if any of these, right, any of these, if you get any of these wrong, I would advise that you start with some fundamental stuff, right? Some fundamental knowledge just to kind of go ahead and get to where you need to get to, right? So basically, if you start at Security Plus, it's like going to the range and before you've ever slot shot a damn slingshot, you start shooting bazookas, right? So just make sure that you got that fundamental stuff. So the Security Plus is a... 90 question test you get a maximum of 90 questions and you got 90 minutes to knock out those questions it's literally going to have hundreds of topics on the actual exam and they're going to cram all that into 90 questions so you got a minute per question it's going to be simulations it's not an easy test hopefully after we go through this together it'll make things a lot easier for you right so let's get straight into it First question, a company security team is implementing a new network security solution that includes a firewall and intrusion detection system, a virtual private network, and many other things. The team wants to ensure that the firewall is correctly configured to provide maximum security. Which of the following rules should the team implement on the firewall to provide the most secure configuration? Should they allow all incoming and outgoing traffic? Should they allow only incoming traffic from trusted sources? Should they block all incoming and outgoing traffic? Should they allow incoming and outgoing traffic on all ports? Now, as far as functionality, as far as usability, it would suck to block all ports, right? But as far as security, right, it said what would make the thing most secure? Blocking all incoming and outgoing traffic would make things most secure. So that's one of those things that can trip up a lot of students, right? Can trip up a lot of people trying to take the test is them not really understanding that whatever the hell the question asks, that's what they're looking for. Even if it may not necessarily make sense in real life, most secure. Will you actually be able to use this damn thing? No. But is it going to be secure as hell? Yes. Right? So just make sure that you pay attention to that. So next question. A system administrator wants to implement secure password policies for users on the company's network. Which of the following password policies is the most secure? Requiring passwords to be changed every 30 days. Allowing the use of easily guessable passwords. Requiring passwords to have a minimum length of six characters. Enforcing the use of complex passwords containing uppercase letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and special characters. You 
you guys are super smart. So I already know that you know that it is the last one. You got to enforce the use of complex passwords. Got to make sure that everything contains uppercase letters, lowercase letters, numbers, and special characters, right? So I think that the guys and the girls who listen to this podcast are going to have a little bit of an advantage um, over the people that uh, watch this on YouTube. So if you don't know, uh, we got a YouTube channel called uh, IT Cert Mastery. You can go ahead and subscribe if you want to get a visual representation. So I think these um, practice questions, the students that kind of follow this stuff, are going to have a little bit more of an advantage because you're going to be able to visualize, right? Since you can't actually see the question or the answer, you'll be able to visualize it. And I think that'll help you a lot inside of the um, exam room. Now, as we rocking out, if you uh, like the questions that we went through so far, make sure that you watch the other episodes. That'll help you pass other certifications, help you with your resume, help you actually get into tech. Now, if you truly need um, assistance we have uh, an online program that helps you not only get security plus but three of the other hottest certifications in the industry in 90 days now the admission to this podcast price of admission is make sure you like it make sure you subscribe make sure you review it five star reviews only please by doing so, it gives me the motivation to keep doing this shit for you guys. Okay, next question. A company security team has detected a phishing attack targeting employees via email. Which of the following actions should the team take first to mitigate the threat? Train employees on identifying phishing emails. Block all incoming emails from unknown senders. Implement a spam filter to block all emails containing suspicious keywords update the antivirus software on all employee computers. So one of the best things that you could do, right? One of the best things you could do to mitigate this threat would be to training the employees on identifying phishing emails right because you can't block all incoming emails that's not going to work uh, blocking all incoming emails from unknown senders most of the people that you're going to get emails from is going to be unknown right so some of you guys might have been thinking that one so what you will want to do is make sure that they're trained on phishing emails because if you update the antivirus software as well they probably still gonna get some of those emails they won't even know what to look for right a lot of phishing emails are disguised as regular emails from people that are reputable people that you would trust right so um training the employees because you can have a million dollar security team spend millions of dollars on software but a lot of times the weakest point right the part that you can't really uh, prepare for is the user right just the level of stupidity or ignorance. Um, I don't know if you guys heard recently, um, a guy that was in the reserves, he actually posted classified documents on his Discord, right? I don't know to be cool or just, I don't know, just a damn dummy. He, he, <laughs> posted, uh, he posted a bunch of classified stuff on his Discord. And, you know, of course, somebody told him. And um, now nah, he's probably going to go to jail. 
for a long time. I'm pretty sure they're going to make an example of it. So next thing, a company is implementing a multi-factor authentication solution to enhance the security of its remote access system. Which of the following factors should the company use to implement the most secure form of MFA? Something the user knows, something the user has, something the user is, something the user likes. So the most secure form of this would be something the user is, right? Something the user is. Because as of right now, you shouldn't be able to duplicate someone's iris or their eyeball. You shouldn't be able to duplicate unless you actually have that person's eyeball, which means that they had a bad day. But um, something the user is is biometrics, right? Something that's biologically a part of you. Your fingerprint, your iris, your eyeball, so on and so forth, right? Facial recognition, something that you actually are. Next up, a company is planning to deploy a wireless network in its office building. The security team wants to ensure that the wireless network is secure against unauthorized access. Which of the following measures should the team implement to provide the highest level of wireless network security? Use a weak PSK for authentication, broadcast a network's SSID, implement Wi-Fi protected access mode, use an open network with no authentication. Now, another thing, gang, when we're going through this stuff and when you're in the exam room, make sure that you're only focusing on what the question is asking and what the answers are giving you, right? Stay in that realm. Some of this stuff, if you think about, okay, this is what I was, I would do, or this is what we do at work. Just think of what is the best answer for the situation that they're talking about and what they're looking for. Okay. So for this, the most secure thing would be implementing a WPA or Wi-Fi protected access. Okay, Wi-Fi protected access. Next up, a company is planning to encrypt its sensitive data at rest to protect against unauthorized access. Which of the following encryption methods provides the strongest protection for data at rest? For disencryption, SSL, hashing, looping, or public key infrastructure. Now for data at risk, the most secure thing or the strongest protection for data at risk is going to be full disk encryption, locking the whole thing down. A company security team is performing a risk assessment of its IT systems. Which of the following should the team consider when assessing the impact of a security incident? The likelihood of the incident occurring, the cost of implementing security controls, the reputation of the company, 
the potential financial loss and legal liability. Now, when you're considering the impact of an incident, when you guys become the boss of all bosses, when you are in charge of stuff, you got to always look at the potential financial loss and legal liability because that can literally be the difference between you guys being open and flourishing and you having a damn job and you being homeless on the street. So you got to make sure that you got to look at the potential financial loss and legal liability. Next up, which of the following is the process of converting plain text into a secret or unreadable form? Encryption, decryption, key exchange, regression. So converting something into something that should be unreadable would be encryption, right? So gang, if you're enjoying this so far, one more time, make sure that you like this video. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you review the podcast. Um, shout out to all my Spotify listeners. Spotify shows this podcast a lot of love and we appreciate it. And just comment and share, like I said, so we can get an algorithm to ensure that this stuff is pushed to the people who need it. Which of the following authentication methods provides the strongest level of security? Passwords, biometrics, smart cards, one-time passwords. So as you guys already know, it is biometrics, right? Like we talked about earlier, biometrics is something that's just a part of you, right? Your fingers, your eyeballs, so on and so forth. What is the purpose of a security token in a two-factor authentication process? To store passwords securely, to generate one-time passwords, to encrypt data, to establish secure VPN connections. Which one of those would you use a security token for when we're talking about 2FA? That would be used to generate a one-time password, right? Because you know when you have two-factor authentication, a lot of time you put in your username and password, then the next step would be, hey, we're going to text you this code, put this code in, all right? So that would be um, your one-time password or code, right? Which of the following protocols provides secure communication over the internet and is commonly used for remote access VPNs? SSL, IPsec, PPTP, L2TP. VPNs usually use IPsec. A company wants to implement a security control that can detect and prevent attacks by analyzing network traffic in real time. Which of the following security technologies would they use? An IDS, an IPS, firewall, antivirus software. Now, you guys already know they would use an intrusion prevention system because that thing can detect 
and it can actually prevent. So it can kind of see different anomalies, different weird occurrences, different little things that happen like, okay, this shit doesn't uh, normally happen during the day. So let me see what's going on and shut it down. Which of the following security controls can protect against data leakage and prevent unauthorized copying of sensitive information? DLP, ACLs, IDS, or security information and event management. So DLP or data loss prevention can protect against data leakage and prevent unauthorized copies of sensitive information. Now, that's what DLP can do, but like I said earlier, like the dummy that's in the uh, National Guard, you can't, um, it's hard to prevent or think of all the things that, um, you know, stupid people can do. Like he literally, you know, took some pictures of some stuff, downloaded some stuff and uh, gave it out to the public. So you just have to make um, your users as well as the uh, people in charge that have access to different stuff to understand the implications and the impacts of the things that they do, not to share shit. And um, also, like I said, just to make sure that the people that are supposed to have access to stuff have access to it. And the people that shouldn't have access to it don't have access to it. Which of the following is not a common characteristic of a social engineering attack? Exploits, technical vulnerabilities, relies on human manipulation, exploits trust and deception, targets human behavior. So social engineering usually exploits technical vulnerabilities as well as exploits trust and deception as well as relies on human manipulation, right? So which of the following is not a common characteristic, right? Which one is not a uh, common characteristic? Um, I actually just misspoke. It does not. Um, I wrote this shit and it, how am I misreading it? Anyway, it exploits, it does not exploit technical vulnerabilities. I'm sorry. So social engineering kind of just looks at you, right? The user um, and the faults that they have. Just sparking up a regular conversation. Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Oh, you work over here? How long you been over here? Oh, okay. You work from nine to seven? Oh, okay. Does somebody come replace you? Oh, nobody replaces you? Oh, they do replace you. Oh, at nine o'clock? So what about from seven to nine? Nobody, yeah, nobody's here? Oh, okay. Hmm, that's crazy. That camera, that camera is always on or what? Because it looks kind of weird. Oh, it's oh, it's just there for show? Oh, man, it doesn't even work. So, so on and so forth, right? Just making regular a uh, conversation or what seems like regular a conversation but they're getting intel right so um what social engineering does relies on human manipulation exploits trust and deception and targets human behavior right next up in the context of risk management what is the purpose of a risk mitigation strategy to eliminate all risks to accept all risks to reduce risk to an acceptable level to transfer risk to a third party. Now, when you do risk mitigation, is to make it to an acceptable level because ideally you want to avoid all risk, but there's some risk that you can't avoid. So if it's some risk that you just don't want to take the brunt of, whether it's 
okay, this damn building burned down. I don't have to pay for it. You would transfer that risk to an insurance company, right? So on and so forth. So it's just certain risks that um, are inherent, but you try to mitigate that risk. Just like um, there's a risk of giving users access to classified documentation or classified software, classified systems. And you have to learn how to mitigate that risk. If this stuff gets out, how do we shut it down? What do we do? You know, what are the prevention stuff we can do? What are the things we can mitigate the actual impact of if somebody does something crazy? Which of the following is an example of a technical control? Security policy, security awareness training, firewall, or a background check? So with this, a, a technical control would be a firewall. Before we go any further, make sure that you watch our last episode or listen to our last episode that has some certification training in it as well as some tips and some tricks on how to get into cybersecurity. As always, if you're really serious about getting into IT and you want some instructors and some coaches that actually will help you every step of the way. You don't have to do the shit by yourself and have me as your personal coach, personal mentor, personal teacher, a guy that I've been doing this for almost two decades, taught 15,000 students, got 12 certifications, got a master's, a bad motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. Um, I would love to um, have you as a student. All you got to do is go over to itmasterkey.com and apply to the zero to IT hero program. Now, everybody isn't accepted. We vet our students uh, just to make sure that not that the program is um, great, fantastic. We don't want you to join, but just to make sure that it's the right fit for you, right? Because to be honest, it's not um, a fit for everyone. And if we feel like either it's not the right time or if another program can provide you better direction, then we'll love for you to do that instead of wasting your time, wasting your finances and racing your resources. Because at the end of the day, my main goal is making sure that as many people as I can uh, get into tech. That's pretty much what my goal is, right? Uh, my goal is a million, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a little far fetched, but shit, you know, I'm uh, every, working at it every day. So please do me uh, one favor. Have an awesome day. And other than that, I'll see you in the next episode.